This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to $90 off the original price of four courses within the Everyday Gourmet series of instructional cooking courses. Choose from Essential Secrets of Spices and Cooking, Making Healthy Food Taste Great, Baking Pastries and Desserts, or Making Great Meals in Less Time for only $9.95. This great price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time, so order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. We've caught up with Steve Hayes immediately after the uh, Hillary Clinton Benghazi hearings. And Steve Hayes, if you were writing the front page of the New York Times, what would be the headline tomorrow? Well, I would I would focus on the fact that Hillary Clinton repeatedly offered misleading or false testimony in the Benghazi Select Committee hearing that people have been anticipating for many months. Um, The fact of the matter is she did. She did repeatedly on a number of different issues. And uh, if I were writing it for the New York Times, I'd probably write a straight lead, and that would be my focus. If I'm writing it for the Weekly Standard, my lead would be something like Hillary Clinton repeatedly offered false or misleading testimony before the Benghazi Select Committee, and it won't matter. Because judging from the way that the the hearings are being covered, um, this is just not going to hurt her. People aren't really looking at the substance of what she said so much as they are the the theatrics and the atmospherics of the hearings themselves. Uh, So what will the front page of the New York Times be most likely? I think the lead is likely to focus on um, an exchange very early on in the hearing that Hillary Clinton had with Representative Peter Roskam, where Roskam was asking her a question, and she looked down to read some notes, and Roskam said, I'll give you time to read your notes, and then I'll resume my question. Journalists in the room thought that that was rude and, and have uh, you know been talking about it sort of ever since. I think that's the focus. The, the focus will also be on Hillary Clinton. I mean, I will well, say... Well, back up, back up. So what, what, what sure. was rude about saying, finish reading your notes? Because I noticed I was actually on the air doing my talk show in Atlanta during the morning session, but I was, you know, during commercial breaks, jumping in, and then afterwards I watched some. And I saw several times people saying, no, take your time, get your information together. That's now, what, condescending because she's a woman? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I don't have any idea what the objections are or why people were so focused on that in the room, um, but but it caught people's eye for sure, um, and it's, it's been written about. Um, it leads, Politico has a, a just-posted top 13 moments from the Benghazi hearings, and number one is the Roskam-Hillary Clinton exchange. I just, it, it's meaningless to me, but this is what uh, many of my colleagues are focusing on. So uh, it's going to be that the media is go- has decided this is not a story about facts under any circumstances, and none of the facts were able to penetrate, not even what I thought was pretty significant, the now indisputable fact that Hillary was telling many, many people that this was not a videotape, movie review, angry mob. This was an Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda-like a group attacking a U.S. facility. I, that You know, crazy me. I re- I'm so old, I remember when that was news, Steve. Right. Well, and first of all, we should say, because it was um, argued several times in the hearings, and I've been listening to to journalists now, 
reflect on this on television. It's been said that there's nothing new, that this is all old stuff. It's just a rehash. That is categorically untrue. And what you just mentioned is, I would say, example number one or exhibit number one <clears throat> in making that case. The committee presented two new documents, um, uh, one of which had been out, I believe, earlier this week, one with, which was just cleared for release. In, in the first, Hillary Clinton sends an email at 11.12 p.m. on the night of the Benghazi attacks to uh, Chelsea Clinton and says in that email that, this was, that Ambassador Stevens and Sean Smith were killed in an al-Qaeda, an attack by an al-Qaeda-like group. Mentioned nothing about the video, despite the fact that the State Department is putting out statement at about that time blaming the video. Um, the second memo came from September 12th, 2012, and it was a summary memo uh, of a conversation that Hillary Clinton had with the Egyptian foreign minister. And it's common in the State Department that for conversations at that level to have a note taker listen in and write down verbatim or close to verbatim. Uh, recordings, uh, handwritten notes about what was being said. And the note taker in that particular instance made clear that Hillary Clinton had told the Egyptian foreign minister this was not about the video and this was not a protest, it was an attack. She said that clearly, almost in, in those exact words. And so you have there two examples within the first 36 hours of the attacks of Hillary Clinton saying it was an attack, not a protest. It was al-Qaeda fighters or al-Qaeda-like fighters um, and that it had nothing to do with the video. And yet, two days later, when she went to Joint Base Andrews uh, in suburban Washington, D.C. to uh, participate in the ceremony to welcome home the caskets of those who had been killed in the attack, she told two family members, Pat Smith, the mother of Sean Smith, the State Department's information specialist, and Charles Woods, the father of Ty Woods, um, Navy SEAL who was killed in the attacks, Hillary Clinton told both of those family members that she was going to make sure that the U.S. government brought to justice the filmmaker who made the video that caused the protest, which spun out of control, into an attack. Blatantly misleading. We now know that she had the information, the correct information, earlier and chose to tell the family members something that she had previously said wasn't true. And you go further, uh, you look at what Susan Rice said, you look at the story that the administration spun in those few days, and then, and then really moving on for a couple weeks, it was very clear, the documentary record on this is very clear, they knew that it wasn't about a protest. They knew that it wasn't about a video. They knew that al-Qaeda fighters were involved. They knew that it was likely Ansar al-Sharia, a local al-Qaeda offshoot. And they went to the American public and sold them a different story. Period. End of discussion. Having that kind of proof in writing now, in Hillary Clinton's own words, would seem to me to be pretty significant news. It seems like news. And this would also point out that a year ago it would have been even bigger news, and two years ago it would have been even bigger, bigger news all those documents were part of the documents that the administration and the State Department refused to release. Now, how did Hillary Clinton handle the um, many, many requests for increased security in Libya coming from Ambassador Stevens? And instead, she was sending them back. Hey, my buddy Sid Blumenthal wrote this interesting email. Uh, you know, what, what do you think? Have you, have you seen this funny email about the grandpa who goes down to buy a chicken? You know, what I mean? <laughs> 
What the heck? Well, this was the other major line of inquiry that Republicans were taking. I think they worked hard at the beginning of the hearing to establish that Hillary Clinton was sort of a leader of the Obama administration's policy on Libya, that she pushed forcefully for U.S. intervention there. And I think they made their case pretty effectively there. Um, they, they showed uh, a number of emails that, that Clinton had exchanged uh, in 2011, uh, both about Libya policy generally and also specifically about security in Libya. And then demonstrated that in 2012, she seemed much less attuned to the security situation on the ground in Libya, despite the fact that we were getting regular reports and that there was, uh, you know, many signs, there were many signs that the security situation on the ground in Libya was deteriorating. So Clinton responded by saying, in effect, none of those requests made it to my level. And Chris Stevens, none of his requests for additional security, she said, made it to her level or came to her senior staff. What I think was striking and the point that some Republicans tried to make, some of them quite well and others, I think, frankly, quite clumsily and, and in a way that was a net negative, was this. They wanted to say, how is it that you had time for all of these emails with Sidney Blumenthal, who had been blackballed from working at the State Department, who was disallowed from, from uh, you know, being in her employ by the Obama administration, but didn't have time to read you know, the increasingly urgent calls for help for additional security that were coming up through the regular chain at the State Department from our people on, ground, on the ground in Tripoli and Benghazi? It's a good question. It's a good point. I don't think she answered it adequately, but I don't think it will affect her much in part because of the way Republicans ask the question. And then in part, again, because reporters are just tired of this. They're just not that interested. Right. And it was interesting. There were points where people were reading her, her own emails, and she was saying, no, 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 I didn't say that. And they're going, well, wait a minute, I'm quoting you. Well, you can characterize it as, well, no, no, I'm quoting you. When you're able to get away with contradicting yourself live on national television and have the press leave with the, did you see how that Republican was badgering her? Exactly. You're in pretty good shape. No, this is, I think this is, I mean, that's actually, that's really maybe one of the main points to take away from this hearing today. You remember back in, in the, the arguments after the invasion of Iraq, the extent to which every single word that the Bush administration had used to make its case for war was relitigated and, and re-examined. And look, I think in, in some ways in an appropriate way, I think it was necessary to do that. Um, but this is not happening with, with right. Hillary Clinton. I mean, she said things that were clearly untrue. She claimed again that the emails that she was getting from Blumenthal were unsolicited. Well, we have her emails in which she's soliciting more <laughs> more uh, information from him. She said she had no idea of Sidney Blumenthal's business interests in Libya. We literally have an email that in which he describes his business interests in Libya. She responds by saying anything more to convey as she heads into a meeting with someone who uh, is knowledgeable about those business interests. You know, she said Sidney Blumenthal was, was not an advisor, informal or formal to her. And yet she said that his emails were useful. I mean, on and on, blatant contradictions, misstatements of fact, you know, errors or lies, depending on, on whether you want to give her the benefit of the doubt. And the, the response, at least in the hearing room, at least thus far, has been a collective shrug of the shoulders from the Washington media. And yet I would also say that the, but the response, based on what I've seen so far, is not that there was nothing there. In other words, that these lines of inquiry were ridiculous, ludicrous, you know, it's hard to say ridiculous and ludicrous when you have these 
questions. Would you say it's fair to call this essentially a draw? That is, people who thought Hillary really mishandled Libya and lied to everybody had plenty of evidence that they did. And people who thought, you know what, the American people just are never going to care about this. And Hillary looks good in circumstances like this. She's got the skills to handle it. She walked away fine. They're both going to walk away saying that was that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think, you know, if, if you're looking at it, on substance, on, on the exchanges, I would say that, in fact, she was put in a very difficult position and didn't respond substantively very well. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, the questioners, particularly Trey Gowdy uh, and Jim Jordan, very much got the best of her, put her in an awkward situation where she was forced to, to eat her words or mm-hmm. to misrepresent what she had said then or what she was saying uh, in the room. But but having said that, I think it will be even more decisively uh, seen in her favor. I mean, oh, okay. You have you have reporters who are basically saying this is a triumph. I just heard a New York Times reporter on one of the cable networks saying this is a triumph. It shows what a force Hillary Clinton is. She should be thrilled with this. I mean, this is a uh, you know an ostensibly objective New York Times reporter. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that. a New York Times reporter was objective. So I, mean, I don't know what <laughs> I think ostens- that's how ostensibly it's more or otherwise to play. I mean, there's more. That, you know, we'll learn more. We'll see what what mm-hmm. what more comes out. Um, as the as the this inquiry continues but that's sort of my first blush um, view of it okay well that's why we asked you to join us immediately after thanks so much for your time steve hayes we appreciate it you bet thanks michael you've been listening to the weekly standard podcast please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates i'm your host michael graham